Hey there, beings. You are listening to the Self-Tivity Podcast. I am your self-investing storyteller, Danny Jessen. I'm a writer, a creative entrepreneur, but most importantly, a mindfulness advocate. For those who are new to this podcast, my goal is to merge mindfulness and self-love into our self-investing journey, as well as our entrepreneur endeavors. Today, I have a special guest with me. Allow me to introduce. Are you ready? I am so excited about today's episode because I have a very, very special woman on the show, Miss Tiani Sutton. She's the author of God's Baby Girl. And before we get started, I do want to share a little bit about the author, and I'm going to read that to you guys before we get started. Tiani Sutton grew up in South Bronx, New York, then moved to Raleigh, North Carolina with her family and her team. Once atheist, Tiani dedicated her life to Christ in May 2018. She recently got married in January 2020. Recently added to the board of directors for Cover My Sisters, Tiana worked closely with the author of No Makeup, Charletta Denise. Tiana is a first-time author. God's Baby Girl is her first published book and has plans on expanding from there. Ultimately, Tiani has plans to start a ministry that will provide aid and consult to people who have childhood traumas to overcome. Hello, Ms. Tiani Sutton. How are you today? So excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm, I'm so excited. Listen, everyone, uh, we sat outside in the parking lot. The first day we met you that night and we were outside for about two hours after closing. I know, that's kind of crazy. The park, we, we were literally being crazy. Like we were just in our own little world. I love it. In our own little world. Like it didn't matter. And we were protected because it was all dark outside. We just we were just in our zone, just talking. <laughs> so with that being said, we are gonna try to discipline ourselves. I'm gonna try to discipline myself because I can talk. We both together are just talking. Okay, there we go. <laughs> we can talk. <laughs> But I do want to focus on your book. I want to focus on your message. And I want to start off saying this. I love the way your book is written. It's so clever. And the most clever thing about it is the marketing aspect. So the marketing aspect is that these characters are going to an actual live event that you're going to be hosting. And from my understanding, you're going to be hosting this event ongoing, like uh, every year, for every three months. Is that... Every year, to make a conference, yep. And so, which I think is clever because the book is promoting your event that's ongoing. Come for it. Yeah, I didn't, I knew I wanted a conference before I finished the book. I knew that I was saved. I gave my life to Christ at a conference, at a business event. Um, it wasn't anything self-development or motivating at all in that aspect. It was strictly the business, but um, that is where I was saved. And I just love the conference environment. I think when we come together in that type of environment, a lot moves and we make decisions that are lasting just because we're around people and we, we just want to be better when we're around people that all want to be better, want to grow, want to change, want to learn. So I already knew I wanted a conference. It was so fun right the book the way I did because writing the conference I was like all right I gotta make this realistic because I'm gonna do this conference so I wrote the conference in the book as a honestly a five-year goal of if I can have the most people I can even imagine and it's my perfect vision that's what it's gonna be like so when you read it it's a fun event you almost want to be there you pretty much want to come to this conference that's in purpose actually live <laughs> not in the book just because of that conference super fun but yeah it was on my heart 
before I even finished it. And I was just like, I need to implement something to the realms of this conference because that's where the impact was for me anyway. So I like conferences. Yeah, I, I like conferences too. Like when I was younger, my auntie used to take us to these book conferences in Atlanta. And it's just, I don't know, what's the sort of energy? Like it smells <laughs> in the conference arena and it just feels like, I don't know, it feels like you're empowered for some reason. Now what day is just all that aligned energy? Like people who come to these type of events, they have a goal, you know, and so it's a reflection of you, like wanting these goals and putting that all out there. So yeah, I can, I can date the conference. I'm really excited about attending your conference. Yeah. I'm excited for it. So let's talk about your journey. What stood out to me is that you used to be an atheist and now you are God's baby girl. Saving the sanctified, honey. (laughs) She is God's baby girl now. Okay. Well, we all are, but I appreciate that. And yeah, I was raised atheist. More so atheism is just without theology. That's what the word means. It doesn't, a lot of people put their own spin on it. It's just simply just not having theology mixed into your spiritual world. That's kind of where I was. And we were raised as five percenters. I don't know, me and you talked about it, but just read the book because you'll I'll explain it a lot more nicer and more cleaner in the book when I had time to really think about it. Off the top of my it's head. It's just a movement. It's dope. It's amazing. But it was something that existed in New York predominantly. So it was one of those environment type of things. And also with being here, um, heavy influence on Christianity here for me. So okay. it was the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's heavy. I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are serious. <laughs> so, it's always it, it's been a journey because I thought I was, I don't know if you ever had like one of those stop in your track kind of moments, but I definitely felt like I was completely correct with all of my assumptions, all of my beliefs. And when I found out otherwise, that's really where the journey for me started. Because you don't really know you're walking blind until you take your blindfolds off. So it's one of those. It was a journey now that I look back on it. But the journey started the moment I was saved. And glory be to God for that. But yeah, so I was atheist for 20, 22 years. And I gave my life to him about three years ago. So I'm still fresh in the paint. Got a lot of work to do. But no, I just in my spiritual setting I'm just a lot more whole and the journey feels completed spiritually speaking I will always continue to grow as God's baby girl I'll always continue to try to enhance who I am to be closer to God to glorify him with my actions all those things but the click already happened. I met God, God met me, well, God knew me, but we agreed to do this together. (laughs) And that's really where the journey feels like, like I'm good. And at this point now, it's just everyday, regular people, life, work on yourself type of stuff, Um, using God's word, of course. But yeah, it was was a journey. Yeah. So the way that your book is written, you have, is it six or seven? Seven different versions of your story itself. Um, And these young ladies all are a piece of you. Do you feel like these seven aspects of your story is the complete version of you? Or do you feel like there are other elements that you didn't reach in the story? I love that question. I definitely, there's not everything in there. I put things that I felt like were one, heavy, but relatable. 
I knew people went through some of the stuff I went through and no one talked about it. So I wanted to add those things in. I also put in the things that I truly had to change about me to move. I had to attack the things that I talked about with these characters. It's just for me. So there's still pieces of me. I mean, I could write a whole other book about being married. So (laughs) there's definitely not, not everything in here. And I wouldn't even say the important parts. I would say the transformational parts and the parts that I believe truly, truly connect to all women because unfortunately we live in a world where there's a lot of common things that happen to us that we don't talk about and we tend to deal with them behind closed doors one of those those one of those approaches and the childhood trauma is my intention you know to release that tension of just living with and coping with a childhood trauma you know so I brought a lot from my childhood out that like I said I, I absolutely had to attack before before even letting this go. Yeah. So speaking of your childhood trauma, do you feel like there is something that you can share with us today about your childhood that helped mold the person that you are today? Even that could be bad or good. Or what was the transformation between that childhood trauma into your version of self today? So in the book, I'll use one from the book just because I'm things the way we categorize (laughs) my memories. But uh, in the book, I talk about I have a character named Brenda. She is my father. So for me, for a good amount of years, I was sexually abused and it stole my it didn't steal my innocence and my personality. It stole my innocence and like my purity in my heart, meaning I just looked at the world different. I expected people to be bad or not even bad, just be people, which did bad things I expected that so I maneuvered in that way you know if you expect the worst to happen you prepare yourself so I became a person that accepted those things and it was a dark place to be because I never really understood my self-worth until I realized when I was saved. Um, So those things happened from like maybe 11 to maybe 16. So that time frame and then space of me just being and existing with that baggage and then being saved at 22, 23, honestly, I don't remember, but being saved at 22, 23 and then having to go to counseling everything back to back at counseling. And I went to counseling. I want to say this. I went to counseling for a whole nother event. I was sexually abused a month after, two months after I gave my life to Christ. I became very standoffish. I was like, first off, y'all said this was better than sliced bread. And I don't (laughs) love and life just. So needless to say, I had things to work on. So I went to counseling and what surprised me was the whole year of counseling. We didn't, the whole 11 months of counseling, we did not talk about what I went there for. We talked about my childhood. The last month we ultimately dealt with what I went through, but immediately my counselor was just like, therapy, she just, she just told me, she was like, that little girl in you is super hurt and we need to pull her out and have a conversation with her right now. So that's what we worked on. And it wasn't until then that I realized that trauma really, excuse me, that trauma made me a type of person that I never really thought I'd be in a sense of, I was a lot more careless, a lot more reckless than I would want to be. Like if I look back, I mean, as teenagers, aren't we all, but I knowing who I am as a person, I know it was out of misbehaving simply and not just, Oh, I'm just a punk kid that likes to do cool stuff like, and get in trouble. I was never that kid. So 
at first, because I believed I lived, I was a good person in a bad world, I operated as a bad person to avoid being hurt. And I, I wanted intentionally to be that way. So I always had a great personality towards people and I was always nice, but in relationships, it wasn't really healthy. In friendships, I wasn't really the best friend. I just had a lot of flaws in who I was. Even emerging into college and into a business of my own, I just never really trusted people. And having that wall up is so astronomical because you can't even allow that person that came into your life that was sent to you for a specific reason to help you grow and change the way God intended if you're already standoff. After revealing, I did have a sit-down conversation with my dad about everything. And we did come to an amazing resolution, which is the best case scenario in these situations because a lot of times it doesn't happen um, to women. And that changed me once again, even more trusting on people that you'll look at and be like, he does not deserve your trust. Do not trust him. But my heart is so wide open. So I'd say that situation changed me for bad and for good. Um, and of course, now I'm using it to glorify God. So it's, it's a blessing in itself now when at first it was a curse. So that's probably a good situation. Yeah, there's two things that you you said when you were speaking that I want to hit on. Um, so the first one was after you gave your life to Christ, all of this other stuff started happening. What was your thought process like as far as accepting this thing yeah. that you not accept for so long and then to accept it and then feel like, why is this happening? What exactly was your thought process when that happened? What were the things that were going through your mind? Did you ever backtrack on making that decision? Did you ever feel like maybe Maybe I was right. You know, this is stupid. I'm this, I'm messing with some some spirits and now they're kind of making fun of me. What was your thoughts on that time? So, yeah, so I never got angry with God. I never backtracked in belief. I never was just like, well, I'm just saying it. And I explained it in the book because I truly... I felt God's presence and I heard it. I didn't hear God's, whatever God's voice really is. I heard my perspective of it um, when I was saved and there was no denying that because I wasn't looking for God. I feel like he smacked me in the head and said, come on, sis. So there was no denying, but I was definitely confused. The explanation I got from other Christians was, you know, doing, well, when you give your life to Christ, you gain a new enemy. And I was like, this enemy's been rocking with me since I was like 10 years old. I know Satan, like we, we go back. Like if he's the one that's causing all of this, we know each other. I know like we cool people. It's like he always shows up. So I felt like I was being punished for being atheist for so long. And I really didn't feel like I deserved to walk around and be a Christian. And it's crazy. Not that I'm saying it out loud. It's crazy to have that perspective considering what Christianity is about and all that stuff and God's love for us and his grace. But I truly just felt like see, it doesn't matter what I do. Like, I just don't deserve to be not hurt. You know, I just don't deserve it. And it was, it was a self-image that I carried um, through this time of healing and stuff that like it doesn't matter. Like, okay, great. God's here. God's real. I was wrong, but life is just as dark as I thought it was. Um, 
that was my initial thoughts. That was maybe one or two months in. But the beautiful thing is because I didn't lose faith, I just kept learning. I just I just kept diving into his word and I just kept telling myself like, okay, if everyone else is encouraging you to get through this and everyone else is saying like, this is normal. A lot of stuff hits the fan when people give their life to Christ. It's a shift in the, you know, it's a shift in the universe, things like that. Just allow time to change or allow time to heal things. I was just like, uh, that it's frustrating because I was like, I, I know my life and this is nothing new. I've been here before. But given given the time, having the patience, having the faith is really what helped me get out of that rut. And of course, I see it. Obviously, the book is proof that I see it 100% different now. But yeah, definitely felt like I was being punished rather than being angry towards someone. Um, it was just like, it's me. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> I'm trash. <laughs> that was my thought. And so the way that you moved away from those thoughts was how? So... Honestly, counseling was a huge anchor to keep me grounded. It just was. I I didn't have had a toxic family household. Love my family, of course, and I wouldn't trade them. But we just we didn't heal well. We didn't introduce good things into our relationship with each other. So we didn't go through things naturally. So the self-image just kept howling and piling on to where someone from the outside had to come in and tell me, hey, this is not normal. This is not how you should see yourself. This is not how you should. So it did take someone else pouring into me. And this is why I encourage counseling. And if not, just some type of group collaboration to where someone can look, you give someone the permission to look into your life and just say, hey, this is what I see. Because sometimes we do accept things just because we're used to them. But to change my self-image, I read a lot more scripture and that is probably my answer for anything that has to do with me changing. Um, I just, I I read a lot of scripture. I submerged myself. Like I, I chose to block out everything I thought to be true and just let things in. So to speak realistically in a day-to-day, I, I will have a self-image issue and it'll be in my head. I'm just say like, oh, I'm too big. And it'll be in my head, but I wouldn't speak it. Instead, I'll go and I'll search for scriptures that kind of line up with what, like my physical ability, me loving my body. What is, what is this blob of meat that I have on me? Like, what is this? And how do I appreciate it the way God enough to make me? So just scripture really is what would set it off for my own actions. But like I said, I, I definitely encourage some type of counseling or something to where you can step out of your bubble and see it from the world's perspective. Yeah. So for someone who feels like they view scripture in their life and all these bad things keep happening to them, you mentioned that these bad things were happening to you and now it's for glor- the glorification of God. Now we spoke about this, in the yes, past, yes. but I kind of want to talk about it now <laughs> to see if we can gain any other perspectives below. When I, when, from my perspective, because I grew up and my, everyone in my family is, is religious, you know, we were, we, they came from the side, but we were in Baltimore City. I had ministers, pastors, all almost was a PK kid because I lived with my uncle for a little while. So both sides of my family, God, God. So I grew up in that, was a Sunday school teacher, evangelist, did all of that. I, God, you know, and then it came to the point where that all felt like performative and it felt like something that I just grew up into. And so it was by default that I would be a Christian. But then I read the Bible. I had more questions and then I ended up in a different situation where they were answering questions and making it feel like real life to me. 
So saying all of this, I've had my, so we, we're kind of flip-flop. I was an atheist, but yeah. I really was like dripped into God. Yeah, yeah. Now to the point where I'm like, you know what? I I believe that, the, the like I said, the interaction that I had with you, the interaction that I had with a lot of people, I mean, all around me, I, I have people who believe in God. Um, and I'm not saying that I don't believe in God. I'm at the point where I'm like some people in the Bible, where they had questions, Yes, you know, and God was okay with the question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? And I still feel like there's always, I'm always experiencing the, and I'm going to say energy of God, because, and the reason why I'm saying energy of God, and I'm, I'm being sensitive to anyone who may be like, oh, you, you know, whatever. I'm saying energy of God because I still, to this day, it, when I say God or think of God, there is no, it, it all feels logic-based, unless I'm out in nature or I'm talking to people, I can feel God through, through the Spirit. Right. But it all feels logic-based because if I look, because of the images, now images are really important because of the images that I see when I was younger, even as I was teaching those Sunday school lessons, everyone in the, the Bible was white and that color doesn't matter to me. I'm, I'm somewhere different with color, but just going back to what I see when I when I think of God is a Hercules in the sky. Yeah. Right? When people say you mentioned it for before, when people hear God's voice, I'm just being really honest with my experience. I, I know that I'm hearing my voice and I do know that there's wisdom that I might speak that doesn't seem like it came from me, but I I'm just real logical, physical right now with my experience. And I go back and forth. You know, yeah. I keep meeting people like you. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm still in the place. And, that, and that's why I love these conversations that I've been having lately with people who are uh, strong in their, in their Christian faith because it reminds me of where I came from. And then it also kind of put things in perspective, especially being able to take myself out of it. Long little narrative <laughs> to, to get to this question. To do things for the glory at God is probably one of the things where I started to slip away from Christianity because it felt like, and this is based on the organization that I was in and my perspective and my experience, that God just seemed like it was very narcissistic. You know, like, you gotta do this for me, and if you don't, you know, you're unworthy. And so this type of language of you know, um, being unworthy and things like that is taught in some churches, and it's like, why do I want to put that narrative on me because we talked about before like you're trying to shift your mindset from the self-image and so you go to the word of God to get those things to lift you up but then there's other parts in the scripture there's other parts in the word or even in the Christian Christianity as the organization because this could be all implemented by people who decide to be in church girl I'm trying to get to the question my bad. <laughs> but I know you know where I'm, where I'm about to go because we had the conversation to do things in the glory of God how does that feel really like do you feel like you are now outside of yourself. You are not a regular person. And now you just live in your life for God. Break that down and why that is a good experience for you to live your life for God and to do everything in the glory of God and to not do it in the glory of God means otherwise. Are you following that question? Yeah, that's a beautiful question. And I feel like a lot of people should ask themselves that question. So first off, thank you for your transparency. I know we talked about it and I, I love I love the transparency. It's so real. The world that we live in, it's okay to ask questions. And I think sometimes we get iffy when, you know, perspectives are different or we just in something. So I appreciate the transparency there. So when we talked about it before, I remember what I said, but I want a different approach because... God is incredible. And I mean that in a way where I'm trying to wrap the words I'm about to say up, but he just is so much is downloading. But God is holy, holy, pure, 
to say he made no mistakes. First off, we would never know that. You know, it's like, you don't know if your boss ever made a mistake. You're beneath with respect, but you're beneath them, you know? But from all the information we've gathered, God is holy. Anything that is not holy cannot exist around him. And when I say glory be to God or I'm doing God's glory or a situation like child molestation turns into something that glorifies God is something so dirty and unholy happened. And that doesn't change that there's still a problem with that. But what it is now, what it represents in this book, what it represents for me and my husband and our relationship, it represents the holy side. So yeah, traumatic experience, super hard. But now me and my father, first off, my father gave his life to Christ and he was the one that raised us atheist. We have a good relationship. I trust men. I'm open with men. I am okay with letting men in to my life. And it's like even like guy friend that was iffy about from the fear of that happening. I have a healthier relationship with my husband. Well, I have a healthy relationship with my husband because I handled that piece before in comparison to every other relationship. So when I say glory to God is by using his scripture, by using, I love how I keep saying his, and we had that conversation too. You know, you know, I'm about to go to that question. Did you, could you say, I heard you saying God, and I was like, you know what? You brought another question up for me. <laughs> every time I say it, I'm like, I'm going to ask <laughs> but um, by using his word, by using scripture, um, by tying myself into the faith, by getting closer to holy, something that was dirty and unclean became something clean, beautiful and flourishing. So on the response of it sounds narcissistic, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I'm with you only because we are people. Yeah. And we're, and in earthly realm. we're living here in the earthly realm and we we see things the way we've categorize them yeah good point when you think about God, he would be a hypocrite to dwell with Satan. It would, how can you even, how can he be next to you if you're pure? If all is holy around you, if sin does not exist in your circle because you're all, you're just pure. You're holiest of whole, you know what I mean? Like you're everything good. And by good, I don't mean good versus bad. I mean, just truly in its core, good. So when I see glory to God or this is the first is my conference, absolutely. It's to glorify God and to, well, to heal, to help people heal, to give them steps, all that stuff. But it is absolutely my book is to glorify God. First off, I, I know how much I was against God. I know how many years I was incredibly blasphemous towards God. I know how many Christians I've attacked. I know how many words I've said. So although I have grace, although God in my beliefs forgive me once I gave my life over and said I dedicate all this to you you're like all of me to you I believe between me and him we're good yeah but I have a spark in me that's like I did a lot of bad towards God if we're if we're just talking scripture we're just talking sin so kind of like a guy that would be forgiven a relationship and now he's bringing flowers home every day boy he had it real good (laughs) it's not that of I need to do this it's in a sense of to feel so unworthy and to to feel so unworthy while attacking something that currently makes me feel the most worthy I've ever felt Mm. I feel this responsibility to continue that and it's not going to be for everyone people are going to get saved and go back to their regular lives but for me the way I see glorifying God is simply he's he's unclean well he's cleaning the unclean in us 
so that we can exist in his presence. And it glorifies God because it, it not proves, it points out or it re-acknowledges like God really is there. This stuff, I can't be my whole self if I don't tackle the child abuse that happened. I can't be the woman of God to my full potential. And I'm still growing, of course, if I don't attack this because it's not pure. It's not holy. It's not, it can't exist with the holy being I'm trying to be, the spirit that I'm trying to be. So... Yeah, uh, I loved how you answered that. And girl, every time you talk, I have another question. So I'm, I'm going to lead back on the other question. But the perspective of life, and this is just being an observer again, is that it feels like bad things have to happen. There's a trauma that has to happen to be healed from. Like, can people just have plain good lives, right? And I'm not, I'm saying this because I would like for you to dive deeper in your on your in your perspective on. People converting to religion of any sort based on trauma versus converting to religion just based on a default of happiness or just that's how I got into religion. It was by default, but it was also not a choice. It was just, you know, you just kind of get in there. You, which is so phenomenal about your story, is that your choice to go from atheist to the to Christianity is powerful to me. I feel like your story is very powerful because to me it's just like wow like because now if now if, if you're kind of looking look, looking at um social media or the, or the narrative people are really you know conscious or they're getting woke you know what yeah. i mean and to get conscious and woke and uh, a lot of conversation is to say a little bit more deep about wh- where jesus came from or where the bible came from or who wrote the bible so it gets into a lot of that type of conversation so people are waking up from that yes. um, and it kind of puts me back into that point of that if people convert to any religion, and you, you can answer this for your perspective. People convert to religion because it's to help them deal with their trauma, and we need to attach to something spiritual, even if there's the evidence is all unseen, right? And so we feel it. Yeah. Uh, we're impacted by it. Um, some people have miracles happen in their lives. Some people don't. You know, yeah. they still believe, and they have a blind faith in God because they just they just believe. Which 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 you had. Oh, we gotta talk about that. Which when you had mentioned about um that blind faith that's almost a good thing and the twist on that is that you would think that it's not because it's like you're not thinking but it's almost yeah. good because you don't have all this loudliness <laughs> we're gonna make it a word today um so yeah your perspective on converting to religion mm-hmm. based on trying on that same spectrum of healing and trauma do you feel like if you didn't have this trauma for instance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i know you can't really say this is what happened whatever but do you feel like the trauma is what's pulling you in that direction or is it something that in retrospect when you look back at it like it's just legit like this is where you're supposed to be yeah are you following that question i know it's a yeah i got two parts to answer that to answer the second the last part you just said so super cliff notes. I was saved at a business conference. I had no intentions on being saved. I only went down. I keep, every time I try to explain, I keep thinking pulpit, but it's not a pulpit. <laughs> little, little mosh crowd of people that go down to be saved. I don't yeah, know the altar. I was like, what is the word? I know it's a word, but I only went down to the altar because one of my friends and we were in a conference of like 10,000 people. She ran down there and she was just like, it's my time. And I knew it would be a challenge to find her 
afterwards. So I seriously only went down there to make sure I didn't lose track of her because I didn't want to be in the crowd of thousands of people by myself. So I went down there. The moment I got down there, everything went blurry. Not like my vision actually went blurry. It was like everything was sideline noises. And I was very in tune with like me. Like I was just like, like I felt me in, like I just felt, you know, in the movie scene, someone's like standing and the room is like sitting, it's blurry, the noise is muffled, but they're thinking really hard. That's where I was. And when I say I, I believe I heard God's voice and I say believe because I don't statements that sound super exaggerate just for the sake of it, but that's really what happened. I don't know how else to explain it. And what was said is I got you here and I'm not letting you go. And that has been consistently what I've repeated. So for me, I wasn't looking for God. I was around the same people that did these conferences for three years. I went to these conferences. I sat in those services, those altar calls for three years. And every time I was just like, good for them. Good for them. Go down there. Be safe. Like I was super supportive. I never wanted it for myself. I never was like, I think it's time. Being an atheist is not cutting it. Like it was never a thought. Like I was really doing me. Like I was just living my life. Mm -hmm. So to answer that, it wasn't tied to it. At least when I made the decision, when I made the decision, there was nothing about who I was, who I am, who I will be tied to. It It wasn't until life started. The second part though, I want to touch on the beginning of your question about just people in general and religion in general. Um, This is a huge world that we live in. Mm -hmm. One thing we all can be on is we're having a human experience. So we're spirit having this human experience. And if you look through religion, that's kind of the notion. If you look through people that are challenged with the hard to accept about religion, and but they're spiritual, they understand that. People that are all the way on the side of atheism, it's just like, I mean, I have a mind, so I know I'm deeper than this body. So we can all accept that there's more. So when it comes down to the point of making and this is my perspective answering for the whole world. But when it comes down to the point of making that decision of choosing a religion, being religious, choosing God, I believe it comes from your spirit. And it's one of those, this makes sense. This is what, this is home. Like this is home. And, and I look at, um, there's a, there's a phrase called coexist and it's on a bunch of like bumper <laughs> Yeah. Or, you know, the purple ones with the, Mm-hmm. And I love, I love that theory. I love that theory so much. Um, There's nothing you can prove, so it'll be a theory forever. But mm-hmm. it's just, it shows how we're all connected. Yeah. And it's the spiritual realm versus the earthly realm. And we know, like, you just, we don't know the, the where was Jesus really born and he's really black. We don't really know those things. Well, I mean, we kind of do, but we don't really know the things that we want to answer right now. Yeah. But we know that home is a little further than here this life and to say that is to say I think the reason why people connect spiritually is always going to be different for each person um yeah for sure I could have went to counseling as a kid and they could have I could have had a Christian counselor and she could have been like well you know if you're saved then God you and which would be a lie but I could have been transformed and converted then. You could have grown up in the family that you live in, because I have friends like this, and never chose to be Christian and actually became, I have a friend that was raised with Christian families and she's Buddhist. Like, okay. Like, there's there's so many different routes people would take to be transformed. And I think even with people that are in such a broken place, this is the last part of my answer, but... I I can roll here, but 
I think when people are in a broken place, for instance, I work with a church that works with people that are in a program and they give them breakfast, they give them the service and then they take them back to their um, designated places. And when I see them, I can't help but say in my head, because I've been atheist longer, I've been Christian, like, are we converting these people? Mm. Are we like using our services and our positivity and all this stuff Mm. to force God down their throat? And I ask these questions all the time. And my husband is, he's hilarious because he was raised in the church. He's like, you ask a question, God is going to strike him. And I always tell him, like, listen, I would have been, I would have been gone before I even gave my life to Christ. So I always ask these questions and it's good to ask questions. But yeah, I definitely always looked at it like that until until one day I had dinner with them. Um, There was a it was like a family event and we just had all the women and we decided to just let them chill. So we cooked dinner for them. We served them and they just were sitting there eating. I sat next to a couple ladies and I was just like, do all all y'all Christian? And there was like two that was like, no, we just come because y'all, y'all is eating. I love the honesty. I rock with it. Um, and then one was like, oh yeah, devoted, devoted. And there was one that was just like, you know, I never knew what to think about the world. I want I don't, I want to paraphrase as close as possible. She said, I never knew what to think about in this world. But whenever I'm in this environment, she's talking about the church and us and like our groups. Like it just feels so right. Mm-hmm. And I accept that I was wrong if I was wrong. And I think once you're at a vulnerable place, yeah. so maybe I don't know it all or maybe Maybe this is something that I can embark on. That's when you'll make that decision to pursue. But even people that are Christians, they tra- they convert to Muslim, uh, Islamic beliefs. And people that are Hindu convert. To, there's a whole movement in India right now. People converting to Christians, like it's incredible. But I think on a spiritual level, because we can talk about religion all day long. You know we can. All, all day. <laughs> we live today. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We don't have time. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> we can definitely talk about religion all day long because that's what I did as an atheist and I love conversation I love the topic but in a spiritual setting if we're just talking about that we just we're meant for something different so to this is a hard question to answer it's not because I just answered you, know you answered it very well and it was through that sort that story that you told about it just feeling right because I honestly feel that I keep getting people like you in my life. I keep being in certain church settings for a reason. And I haven't fully connected back like how I was when I was younger. But it still feels right in certain places. And I think what I was looking for was the transparency and us just being spiritual beings um, connecting. And I also think that the separation that we're doing with putting titles and everything, and I understand we need a title, you know, I need to know that this is a table in order to communicate it to you. Yeah. I, you know, I need to have a title to say this is the light and tell you to turn it on and off. So language is important. Title having a title is important but I think when it comes to religion the disconnect can be and I'm going to speak for me but maybe for some people who might also find themselves in the same place is that it doesn't feel right sometimes yeah so when it feels right that's when you know you're in the right place now it not feeling right is when I'm when I'm gone you know like I've been in, in certain, certain situations when it's not when it doesn't feel right and I think I've been connecting it more I guess on a carnal level and taking it personally based on other people acting 
certain way in church. Yeah. Which is, you hear that over and over again. It's not about the people in church. It's about your relationship with God. And it's like, well, but you also have to be they, one of the commandments or the duties that you got to be around church. People, you got to be in church. But being in that feels like a box. And yeah. it's like it's these rules that people at the church are making up and not necessarily. Because I, I was looking for a rule book. I definitely yeah. want for I just need to know A to Z. If I don't do these things, I when I, the lights go out, I'll be good. That's I, I literally did that. I don't, but it was it became more like you have to live the experience. You can't really go off the list. You have to really live the experience and live it the best way you know how. So even when I talk about people at church and they act in a certain way, they're doing the best that they know how to. Some of them may have been raised in church and just follow the rules based on that, and that's the best that they know how. And so like disconnecting, and I'm going to probably say this for the rest of the videos that I do about talking about anything but my favorite concept in life is to not take it personally it's really and to do your best and these are I don't know if, I think I mentioned the four agreements to you before you and he has he has a lot of spiritual undertones I believe so but listen and I've heard that saying before don't take it personally but I've heard it in a different context where is it where it kind of feels like all right I ain't gonna take it personally but now it feels more inviting it feels more like safe to say don't personally like now I feel like when I'm going through something and then someone else's experience connected with mine either even if it's positive or or hope I can't the positive negative thing even if it's not serving me right or even if it's serving me at that place it's like don't take it personally either way don't get caught up in it serving you if it is and don't get caught up in it not serving you and as the more I and more I have these conversations with people who have who have adopted and are sure about like this is Christianity I feel like I'm always still there like I but I just I'm just really per, pretty much removed the title you know because yeah. yeah. you can't remove the title you gotta you have to say God is my Lord and Savior you have to say these things and and that also feels intense like I just want to be and I just want to connect with people who are doing that when I'm in girl I'm trying not to talk I said I was a was a good talk <laughs> when I'm around people who are really truly doing it you know or trying their best to do it it feels different than being around people who are more condemning or more judgmental or less open those things especially not being open because I feel like when you're really strong and that's why I really loved about talking to you and love about you in general is that your openness is is there especially going to be an atheist to being there and then being able to have conversations with me and hear these questions and not be offended like that openness invites me in because it's like now we really we're being real it's not like like it is because that just is it brings my cortisol level up if I feel stressed (laughs) you know what I mean like it was black but when I was in my faith no, not, I guess my second phase. That felt weird to be in that arena because on one side, it satisfied my craving of what is the to-do list? They gave me a to-do list. They broke down things. It made sense. and it, it connected to the world. I know who these people were. But on the other side, it gave me, why are we yelling at people to bring them to, to God? Why are we making people to bring them to God? What, why? I Because when I logically, I'm like, if I'm going to come to any event, <laughs> I'm you can't be forcing me into it that don't seem right no it should feel right and so um, to say all the stuff I've been saying because I've been talking is that when you shared that story about her feeling right it sparked another 
it's fucked. Yeah, I think you really are in. You are really doing what you need to do. I really do. Every time I, I talk to you, I feel like people like you. And I'm not saying this on no like, hey, you on the show, Nah, yeah, I feel like interacting with people like you is the experience of you. Yeah, because it's the journey and the transparency and even the rawness and the realness. And even when you feel like hmm, I don't know the answer to that question, you end up answering the question because I feel like something is moving through you. Somewhere it's not. Girl, let me stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> Were you something? Did you? Did I cut you off or anything? No, you didn't. I was just listening to you, and I appreciate everything you just said. But I, I love. I, I appreciate the not taking it personally. You elaborated more when we were talking. Mm-hmm. Oh, seriously, you shouldn't take things personal. And I just want to say, ever since we had that conversation, I truly been thinking about that. Like, I've been making that effort to not take things personal. Yeah. And I mean, that really doesn't have anything to do with religion or spirituality. It's just plain. It's just like, dude, <laughs> life. Like, it's not. It's deep, but it's not. <laughs> Don't take it personal. That and that right there. It's. It feels deep, and it feels like because religion and politics and and um these conversations. I'm more the religion side than I'm on the politics. But the religion, I love the conversations because I think it really connects us all to say like, hey, we're really saying the same thing, you know, but where it blocks us is where you don't have that openness. And so it's just really experiencing just going about the way and about the journey and all together, you know, coming to some perspective. But I think we as a people, we need still something to hold on to. Like we need some, this got to be the thing. I'm going to stick to this. It helps us us navigate through this life because if we didn't have it i wonder what life would be like if we didn't have like this structure of like this is this and this and that but we were just living and we didn't have like the trauma to experience from we were just living like what would life be like that i, I try to imagine that and, and try to create that space as much as i can in, in my little world because paying attention to what you say like life is hard or life is supposed to be this way in a way where it doesn't serve you it just creates more experiences in my opinion to, to live a life like that but i think when we get into religions and we connect with one where it helps us because just like with religion I feel like diets work differently for people you know some people are really good at keto some people are really good at intermittent fasting some people are really good at low calorie restriction and some people you know they, they just can't get on a bandwagon or they, they go mix between all of them I feel like it's, it's kind of one of those things but yeah I got one more question for you shoot it this is the question God is he when when we all talk about God or when when I've heard here people talk about God. And I don't know if you ever ever heard the song by Common, but he he mentioned God being a woman in his song. You know that song? Uh no. I have, but I've heard you've heard like, some, some variation of some conscious rapper or, or consciously mm-hmm. mentioning God being a woman, and then there's the concept of as above, so as below. What is the the feminine version of God? Is God supposed to carry a masculine energy, or why is it? Or and this is your perspective. I know you can't answer for the world, but why do you think we always say He for God, and if you don't say He, if you don't capitalize G, is so offensive. Um, short answer. I'm definitely going to get long winded with this one. But the short answer is we just it's just it's in the Bible. It's in our community. It's easier to just say he because have you seen any proof otherwise? So the acceptance and the just sheer everyone else is doing it. Let's just call it what it is. No one. I truly don't believe God has a gender because 
you would need to reproduce and you would need a spouse, not really like into getting married, but a companion to reproduce if we're talking gender, which is also all these earthly things. So if we're just talking masculine energy versus feminine energies, where it gets a little longer, I truly believe that all the energy we possess here, God possesses within himself. I see, and I told you I was going to give you a book that I still haven't gave you, but it doesn't make me turn my head. I was like, oh, the book's right there. But that is... Then the book does such, such a good job. But what it helped me understand is to say God is only masculine energy would be crazy because it would say there is no God within us. How can masculine energy, just a man, he exists and actually be truly a part of an identity of a woman? It can't. It can't be. It doesn't. It just logically doesn't make sense. So, so much about God is revealed in both of us, both being male and female. And I think seriously, just to answer the question for how it was given i think as a society we just are like sure it's a he (laughs) let's just go with he because jesus walked and jesus came and when god came and it was jesus it wasn't a woman you know and to be christian is to believe in jesus and Jesus is a man. And if you're God, then God's a man. So I honestly, Lord, if there's more to this and you're actually a Lordette, then let us know. And I will I will switch, I will flip it in a heartbeat because I'm not constrained to my understandings in this world. Yeah. So if something new comes up, it's like, oh, okay, well, that. this makes sense. So mm-hmm. to answer it, yeah, I, I just think we all accepted it. It's one of those like, all right. Yeah, I mean, I I can I can take that. That is all <laughs> we all just accepted it. Um and I said it was my last question. This really is my last question. Because it, it opens up from for one, when you said that you you don't have any constraints, like if you can have a belief and then some evidence is shown to you and they may adopt a different concept and further your faith because now you have more information, especially because you know you're using like you said, you've been atheist more than you have been a yeah. Christian. And so you're still learning. So of course there might be some things that you you come about and it and it strengthens strengthens your faith and your truth. And I feel like even people who are on the conscious side or like factual there should also be room for them yeah invite some spirituality and why there could be some truth to being Uh as a spiritual being but going back to the to god being he and and i like to ask you these questions i know you're not the spokesperson for all christians you just you for me um the perspective when you answer them i learned something so the reason why I wanted to know that is because there's a narrative that the Bible was created by men. And then you have instances in the Bible where women um, are kind of just submissive could be good or bad based on three people's breakdown of it. But it's just like the man is created for the woman. And then women in the Bible have men or married to men who have more than one wife. Now, this is probably one of the biggest things that there are some faiths that that adopt a concept of a man having more than one wife. But with which is always interesting to me. And I, I guess it just remain interesting to me because it's like, it was the biggest uproar when I was in the new faith that I was in. Is that a man can have more than one wife and it's actually in the Bible that God is okay with this. He's even giving out wives. Like, let me give you another one. Like, this is literally God, the masculine, the man, the he we use in he, is giving out wives to men. So there's a point when you read in the Bible or someone may be reading the Bible and like, well, where is this for men? or this for us or you know what I mean like where is the power of the woman now I'll be the first to say that you there is power in the woman in the Bible that you can you can see yeah 
in the in that aspect i hear that aspect is almost because women are in this reality maybe earth and united states north carolina whoever i meet here whatever do not like the concept of sharing their husband with another man but it's in the bible Sure. Do you have um, any moments where you see something that God is okay with that you still in this earthly form you feel uncomfortable with? Oh, girl, what? Yeah. First <laughs> off, I love the freedom to gossip about and talk about anybody I can talk about without feeling like I'm wrong. So I, with my husband, we could talk about people in, in a good spirit, but it's just like, that's one of those, if I can just check off a sin and it's just like, can I do this? Great. I'm definitely gossiping. There's so much stuff to talk about. No, that's like to answer, well, to respond to you. Sheesh, I just thought about something that I wanted to mention in response to what you just said. So the way I approach things that it's in the Bible. It's the way it should be, right? We're going to use quotes, assuming that the Bible has been tampered with men. I I definitely was there. I definitely am still there in a sense with certain versions of the Bible, but just the quote unquote, um, it's in the Bible. It's right for the polygamous relationships. If we just look at the world history and human history, it's been like this forever. Mm-hmm. It's not like, well, God gives me permission to have more than one woman. So I'm going to go do that. You know, Abraham and, oh my gosh, am I getting it wrong? Abraham and his wife had the, what is the housemaid name? Starts with age, but had her. And that was, he blessed how many? I mean, the whole line, the whole genealogy, basically. And to say that is just to respond lightly on the polygamous side. Because I don't know how it is on the Eastern side of the world, but I know how it is here. We don't like sharing. (laughs) And it's simply for the fact of we made a commitment. It's a relationship. And if you reach our contract, then you're doing something to me. Not really like, oh, it's not natural. Right. We talked about that too. (laughs) Right. Girl, we can go. It's a breach in our contract. It's a breach in our relationship. Say me and you were best friends and we're somewhere and I do something so trifling to you. You're like, you just breached our friendship. Like the, the contract is ruined. Like you just don't do certain things that we agree to not have happen. If I agree to be in a monogamous relationship, no, I don't expect to be in a polygamous one. Mm. However, there's places in the world where it is accepted. And I do not think it's wrong. And I do agree that if we're talking about just how human history is, just biology, take science, I mean, take spirituality out of it. The woman makes babies. And I I mean, we talked about this before, but having, being fruitful and multiplying is producing more seeds. And before it was, this is my man, you ain't gonna touch him. It was, we need to thrive, survive. Our village needs to be successful. We need to be, we need to be monumental. We need to grow and go upstream. So these sister wives were literally sister wives. Like it was cordial. It was, and I believe that, I don't believe that's how it should be because my husband is not getting another wife, but I do not believe it's something wrong with it. And I do believe it has a lot more biblical foundation than a monogamous relationship. Absolutely. 
It sounds weird to say that because I would never want a polygamous relationship, but I definitely see how biblically that could be so beneficial. The fruitfulness, the multiplying. The man is the conqueror, the gatherer, the let's just use the stereotypical how men and women been this whole history of the world, right? We can, we, we're independent. We're all this. We're bosses. I got a book. You know, I'm doing my thing. <laughs> but let's be honest how the world has always been with men versus women. <laughs> it's always been the men are the hunter, gatherer, collector, the provider, the women, the, the nurturer, the, the one that raised the children, the teacher, the cook. The, and these are roles that need each other to operate kind of like a machine and i think sometimes in society we put our role down because we want this role or vice versa if this if a man god forbid a man's a stay-at-home husband and the wife is out being a boss it's gonna be like our because you expect the role to be a certain way but it it works perfectly together so to be fruitful comes from the woman Mm -hmm. the woman she's she downloads everything into the if we're just considering that the woman raised the children and the men out there you know getting whatever they need to provide and the multiplication comes from the man a woman can't really and we talked about this there's but so many kids you can have yeah mm-hmm. yes i think there's a lot in the bible that makes my head turn yeah and you set this a couple of questions behind but it is very easy to check out when it's like see this crap don't make no sense this, mm-hmm. this makes no sense this is illogical this is why i can't believe this it's so it's so easy to do that you gotta stay in the room though you gotta stay there you gotta stay there confused doubt first off i feel like people try to hide who they are in front of god which is confusing Mm -hmm. he knows every inch of you even the pieces of you that you have not even touched he knows if you live to be 90 he knows the 90 year old version of who you are you know what i'm saying like he knows everything about us to try to say i don't want to doubt god or I don't want to shun away, or I just, I don't know if I'm believing in the right God. To say those things is okay. Like, God, this is how my brain works. <laughs> God is somewhere in the background, like, sorry, she'll get there. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. She's good. She'll be fine. She, she, eh, that's nothing but a hiccup. That's all right. She'll meet somebody. She'll find something. And I say that lightly because that's all it is. We are always going to have questions. I truly, truly believe until Jesus comes back or I die, I'm always going to have questions because the logistics of everything, it is funky. It is really weird. And so much time, 2000 years have gone by, 2000 years of tampering, 2000 years of God, we kind of live in a mysterious type of world. So it is easy to say, yeah, I knew a bunch of white men just got together and made this book and trying to use it to conquer the world because they know how powerful we are. It's super easy to say that. Could be the truth, I don't know. Um, I'm leaning towards that. But, you know, at the end of the day, (laughs) what it is, is curiosity. And just like if you were a doctor and you want to learn how to perform open heart surgery, Like, you just have to indulge in the topic that you want to understand. And I say stay in the room because emotionally, gosh, to just picture this, emotionally to realize or to come to a place where you have concluded that God actually is not real. It is, it's earth shattering. That's like, so I feel like when we get to this place of curiosity 
honey, I, I'm an atheist and I've searched so many different things. So when I say curiosity, I mean everything you can possibly think of. I've YouTube it. I've talked about it. I've questioned it. I've read it just because I was the ultimate doubter. I mean, I, I didn't believe it and I wanted to prove it wrong. But as far as, oh no, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> but as far as just staying in it and I hope that's where I was going with this with my train of thought but as far as staying in it what it does is it allows the curiosity to turn into understanding turn into contentment to turn into all right we're gonna get there I have questions I have so many questions I have transparency here I'll be very transparent I am very confused about how the trinity is what it is Sometimes I'm doubtful on it. Sometimes I'm like, see, thank you, Holy Spirit. (laughs) Appreciate Jesus. Like sometimes, some days I'm like, ah, some days, um, every day I pray about it. Every day I'm like, God, first off, you know, I choose you. I just want to understand, you know, my mind, you know, that I question everything, you know, that I have a lot of common sense. And if something doesn't make sense to me, it ruins the whole validity of what it is. So I would say when it comes down to checking out, I think it's so natural for people to do it that you shouldn't feel bad. You shouldn't feel wrong, but you shouldn't go out of the box of your belief. One, spiritually speaking, it, it opens doors to so, so many other things. Mm-hmm. Not grounded in your faith. You're very vulnerable because you're spiritual. So the door is open there, mm-hmm. but you're vulnerable because you don't know what to trust. So I say stay in your box because God's going to reveal himself to you the more you look into it. And there's just, like I said, when we were talking, there's just some answers you will never get. And you've got to be okay with that. Like you, you, you have to be okay with not knowing every single thing. And that was my problem. I remember a pastor told me that. And I was like, you're a pastor. <laughs> you, I mean, you can't answer this little like fifth yeah, grade question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but when my pastor told me that, I was just like, bro, if you you studied theology, you went to school for this stuff, like, and you are okay with not knowing this, I don't settle for much and I don't see it as settling. But there is peace in accepting that you know God and God knows you and your spirit is right. Your heart is right. Everything between you and God is right. The fluff is the human, the man that's hampered. And by man, I mean all people, all people that have influence on the Christianity experience. That is a real thing. And you are, I honestly feel like, I don't know if you know how common it is. I don't know how many Christians you talk to, to have your story. Mm -hmm. Because almost every Christian I've spoken to, and I'm literally thinking right now, like it's never been fully atheist. And now Christian. It's always been, I've always been around it, but you know, I had this experience, I had that experience and I'm just a little, I'm not sure what I believe right now. Or I'm living this type of lifestyle because I believe something that is clearly not. It's sometimes we have false prophets and there's people that live in a way where it's just like things are, like I understand the way this is because I was taught this way. So your story is of course way more common than mine, but your story is so common. A lot of people are questioning this and I think that's a conversation we have to have like just ex- like I, I think instead of defending it because I can't I would never try to defend God like 
it's God. He don't need me to defend him. And, you know, I can simply just tell you like where I'm at with it and at my peace with it. And I encourage the peace to be there because at the end of the day, you if you have faith in God, it's cliche, but it really will all work out. Yeah. You just got to stay in the room. You just got to stay with him. You That's know- Stay in the room. You, As you were saying, stay in the room in the beginning, I just kept saying, like, stay in the room. Stay in the room. I tell you every time you talk, the perspective is stay in the room from what I'm getting from you and now has been planted in, in me. is like the same concept that I have as an entrepreneur. Anyone might have as an author. Anyone might have as, you know, doing this online. And when you become an entrepreneur, you have those doubts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sometimes you're confused about stuff. Sometimes you have to study a lot in order to get better and advance. And sometimes it feels like you're not going to reach your goals. You're not going to get to this end goal because you're, you know, you're just trying to figure it out. There, there has a, there are some blueprints out there, but, you know, depending on what your journey is, you might not have the direct answers to get to where you need to. But if you stay consistent, staying consistent in more than one ways gets you to the point where, like you said, more doors open up. Because now you're putting yourself in the environment, you opening yourself to new opportunities, new ideas, um, to be able to get those answers that you yeah. need to get closer to your goal. Which is why I like when you say stay in the room is because I feel like I've just been around the room a lot. Like, I, I've been, I don't feel like, honestly, I don't know if I even left the room, to be honest. I feel like maybe I was just in the room, just not activated or doing all the things I just was sitting in. And I think that even that experience in itself was important because it allowed me to, if I can get back to it, you know what I mean? That's how it in itself. But to sit there and, and experience it and to go from a point where, like when I'm listening to you, I hear, I heard Saul, I heard Paul, I heard Job, and I heard, heard Solomon. And when I heard Solomon, I'm thinking, he went to, to go look at the stars. He went to go get all these questions answered. He went to a whole bunch of book and it right back where yeah. he where he you know was supposed to be but he went yeah he did go and other people in the Bible did go so I think that's probably why a lot of people in my family or just people around me have so much patience with me because they like if they really into it they really know like and speaking to you I'm not going to have like this transformation right here on the show but speaking to you it opens me up a little bit more like I feel like I've been on this journey of opening up a little bit more but we are running out of time and we're going to have to just talk tomorrow when I see you but I said God look at the time I I know, I, I know we said that time. So we're not going to do the self-tivity game today, but we'll do your self-tivity statement and then we'll we'll share all the different ways that people can reach out to you to buy your book and things like that. So, Miss Sutton, can you tell me your self-tivity statement? Yes, um, for those who don't know who to self, I'm sorry, self-tivity statement. I have this thing that I created called self-tivity. Self-tivities is any opportunity that you can make up in games or activities for yourself, like the invested in your health, your being in your mind. So I like to create create a whole bunch of different activities. And so one of the self-tivities is a self-tivity statement, which is similar to an affirmation. It is your affirmation coupled with an intentional action that goes back and support that affirmation that you declare for yourself or your life. Even if you aren't into affirmation, you can't go wrong with speaking life over yourself. And Miss Sutton is going to give us her self-sweetie statement for today. Yes. So I am emotionally stable. I practice holding my tongue when I'm emotional and thinking about positive things before I revert to negativity. Mm, That's maybe the best self-sweetie statement we had so far. Girl, 
yourself. <laughs> came through, didn't you? All right. So give everyone the, I'm going to say spill, but I'm trying to say it like not in a corny way. Right. Give everybody your thing. Everybody low down on your stuff, girl. <laughs> well, friends, you guys can follow me on Instagram. No. Uh, so all platforms, my name is Tiani Sutton and my website where you can go purchase the book or purchase your conference ticket, which I'll elaborate more a little bit on, is going to be godsbabygirl.co, which is C-O. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Tiani Sutton. You can also follow our book page, which is God's Baby Girl. Um, you can follow that page as well. So the conference, I do want to explain that. Uh, was that time for now? Or are you going to? Yeah, go ahead and explain the conference and then I'll I'll share. Okay. Yes, yeah, so you can purchase the book at that time. I definitely encourage you to read it before coming to the conference just because we're going to talk about a lot of things in the book and the conference is intended to replicate the same conference in the book. However, just coming to the conference, we have two options. You can watch live on Zoom or you can come and watch, yeah, watch live on Zoom or you can come in person in Raleigh, North Carolina. We are working on a very, very nice estate. So before I give the location, I want to make sure that I can deliver the most best kind of conference I can so it will be in Raleigh I promise but I do not have a firm location yet I do but I want to make sure that we we can get you the best so we'll be there and that's August 14th it starts at 5 p.m we're gonna have five different speakers um each speaker is gonna tackle just a little bit what's in the book based off of our seven characters and they'll put their own personal spin to it. I trust these ladies so much. They are individually God's baby girl as well. And you're just going to see the sisterhood. You're really going to experience the sisterhood and the companionship that comes in being women of God. And you're going to feel empowered. Uh, well, let me not. <laughs> Don't find me because you can't say something. You know, it's not proven. Um, <laughs> I hope that you'll be encouraged. That's my goal. But no, well, what we're going to do is equip you with some biblical principles so that you can heal through trauma so that you can overcome certain things um, that maybe came from your past or even is in your present right now so that you can triumph in life so that you can be the best version of you of course we're going to do that by being God's baby girl so hope to see you there so fun I'm so happy I'm so happy you should have did this in person but I really wanted to get it out there girl we would have been together for about two hours I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> this is probably the best <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so we had so much fun as I expect to have fun oh, I can't wait to see you and we are working on some projects so yeah. she's not done we got some things coming that we're probably not going to announce now right but we are I'm gonna let y'all know we're gonna come to the conference good. You're fine. it's gonna be good so it's good. yeah i'm so excited to be working with you you are so cool i don't know that's the, the words that came out of my mouth just now but thank you again <laughs> we have reached our time limit because we was we try to be disciplined but yeah. i really enjoyed the conversation and i hope that people who were watching were able to gain something from it go and purchase god's baby girl go to the yeah. website go directly to the website so that you know she can get all her points yes ma'am that's all, right. <laughs> all right until next time everyone hold on to you as much as you can hold on to your health your being and your mind be mindful